And it was at that time I knew apple pie did not feel good in that orifice. But it is pretty good in moonshine. Just not that moon where the sun don't shine. <laughs> <laughs> Sir! That was a solid turn of phrase. I'm, I'm was, proud of you. That was my that was best amazing. turn of phrase for the night. And then you went back down. Well, cool. I don't you know if that's one. actually... I don't know if that's actually going to be true. I think that you're going to have uh, a lot of opportunities to have some well-turned phrases. Oh, see what you did there. You know, it's not like we have to be like showy and grandiose all the time. We can just be normal people. You know what normal people do? Maybe you remember can. to start up their Stream Deck software. That is sometimes that is what normal people do. Yeah. I don't actually know if that's true. How many normal people have a stream deck? How many normies are out there rocking the stream deck? You know what I, I think? I think there are a bunch of cool kids that have stream decks. Ooh, it's the cool kids. I wish that I could be so like a cool kid. I wonder why. It's all the cool kids. They have stream, stream deck decks. <laughs> I wonder why it is that... Uh... Hold on, where's the fucking option? Uh, it's just like, I'm fucking done with you guys. There we go. Now I can fix it. Sorry, it was bugging me. I don't know if it was the same for y'all, but on my screen, I could see Daniel's headline or title, but I couldn't see mine or Josh's, and it was bugging the shit out of me, so I turned oh. them off and back on. No hmm. worries. Which is drastically less important of a thing to do when it's, it's our own podcast. It's more fun to do on somebody else's podcast. True. Welcome, one and all, to a spectacle of delights. Today, a spectacle of delights. You will see things that will shock you, amaze <sighs> you. Testicles. Huh? Like You'll amazing hear testicles. Hear things like loud that testicles. Will abhor you and entertain you. Like Andrew's got a lot of testicles on the brain right now. Barely. It's the Black Tower Podcast. It's another episode of the Black Tower Podcast. It's how many, your how many times can you say testicles in the first taint. thirty seconds of a YouTube video before YouTube goes not? Oh boy! You no, know that's not a very scientific experiment, Josh. I am. If you just say it a ton of times, then we don't know where the limit it is exactly. You gotta say it exist. once at the beginning of this episode. And then do it twice at the beginning of next episode, and then uh, three times. You're not wrong. <laughs> um, but also, I'm the... <laughs> sober would be a control. We need to do one drunk. And it's also you know, true. So if we're gonna follow the scientific process here, let's follow mm. the fucking scientific. Well, let me prepare for this episode with my 
Watt can Watt can brand lip balm. That's Ooh. Balm. I, I prepared for it with my WatCon brand fidget spinner. I prepared for it by sitting down at my computer and turning on my camera. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody, it is I, your Sauron Mahale, Josh from the Black Tower Podcast. Ah. And I'm your Bajan Mahale, Andrew. Also from the Black Tower podcast. Ah. Oh, good. And I am your Amon Khan Mahale Daniel, also from the Black Tower podcast. Ma. (laughs) Smells weird. I don't normally wear chapstick or anything like this. And so now (laughs) I have like beard oil and like or beard balm on my lips. I just want to wipe it off. Oh, that or happens like, all the fucking time when you have a mustache like this. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh boy. Luckily, mine's just the one thing in the morning as I'm like wiping it over the mustache. A little bit gets <laughs> on the lips. Oh yeah. A little on the lips, forever on the hips. But yes, so we have sur- officially survived WatCon. Um, mm-hmm. Barely. Mostly unscathed. Largely unscathed, Good I would Lord. say. In fact. Um, we'll see. It appears that I get to enjoy more days of WatCon every year that WatCon happens that I attend. So first year got me one day. Second year got me two days. Hoping that the third year gets me all three days. And I'm really excited for the fourth year because does that mean that I get an extra WatCon day? Hell yeah. Does it just keep stacking or does it reset? That's, that's going to be interesting to see. Well, Well, it also depends because I seem to remember the very first one, you getting a day and a half. So if it only goes up by half days, then because I remember well, I was, you got that, that first Friday. night, that very first night, and then you came down for about half a Friday, and then you came down for Sunday. Oh no, I'm only counting like actual days of the con. <laughs> like actual days. Okay, down that's because I was I was downstairs most of Friday, but I only showed up to a tail end of like Sunday night. Mm-hmm. And I actually remember all the nights this time, so that's a good thing. That's progress. There you go. But we survived. Um, Normally we do like a a kind of like, not not really review, that's not the right phrase, but we talk about our experience. A recap. Um, Yeah, in a way that the the patrons be able to hear if if we all unmuted um, in a fantastic (laughs) way. But uh, we're not going to be doing that as an episode this go around. Instead... Uh, if you are listening to us live uh, here in about an hour and 10 minuten, that's minutes in German, but you can use those minutes in whatever language or nationality you wish. Uh, we're going to be with the lovely folks over at Plotcast talking a little bit about WatCon and then playing a game that they have devised. If you're listening to this after we've recorded this, uh, also known as regular release schedule, go over and check out the Twatcast YouTube channel. Um, and look at their live stream from July 18th. And that is where we will talk about a bit of our WatCon experiences beyond uh, be jealous that we have things like fidget spinners and fancy cloudy mugs and tokens with badgers on them that smell fucking incredible. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But all that being said, we have survived. It was a ton of fun, and we'll talk about it more later. But... To go ahead and get you in the mood for this episode, 
The topic we're going to be covering today, before we get into who it is or what it is or where it is or why it is, is a topic that you can find a nice, fun, spoiler-friendly wiki-style entry over at thegreatblight.com. Greatblight.com is a fantastic place to go and find lists of other content creators, where they do, whether they do music, trivia, art, podcasts, YouTube, you name it. You can find them over in a list on greatblight.com as well as an ever uh, hopefully expanding wiki uh, that breaks down spoilers by book. So if you haven't finished, I don't know, uh, if you haven't started reading The Great Hunt, you can read to the eye of the world on a specific entry and then stop. And then you can adjust your reading as you go through the books. If you find anything that's maybe incorrect or that could be done better or you just want to say, hey, I'd like to help or something like that, um, there's a nice fancy button at the top of the greatplight.com that says see a problem slash have a suggestion, click it, and then you can provide your feedback to the lovely folks that run the greatblight.com. Uh, yeah. Um, and when you're not doing that and you're welcome for all the spoilers, or you just want to see some of the pictures we're going to talk about later from Wacon, head on over to blacktowerpod.com to find all of our stuff. Uh, including Patreon, where for just as little as a dollar a month, you can listen to us live over here in Discord. Invite your friends, invite your family, invite your cow, invite your house, invite everything. Just invite everybody. Every All um, the people. Every yeah. last people you know. It's, it's time to all spread the, the single ladies, of the Lord All Dragon the single ladies. All the single ladies. Put a ring all on All the it. single ladies. Now put your hands up. There you go. That's perfect. But uh and you know what? Oh, I, I forgot to realize with... I should start up the camera in the chat because I did go through the extra effort to learn how to make that visible for our Patreonians. And they oh, didn't yeah. get to see my wrist flappies. But now they do. All the single mm-hmm. ladies, all the single ladies, all the single ladies, all the single ladies. Yeah. Can you imagine if that was just the whole dance for the whole song? Just Beyonce is just standing there in the music. And you know what? Like, you know what? They'd be like, "Oh my god, Beyonce! She's so hip! How does she do it?" And everybody else is like, "Really? That that doesn't." And work. Kanye would be like, "Beyonce had the greatest music video of all time. <laughs> Beyonce had the greatest dance choreography of all time." Mm-hmm. Oh, so but story. Sorry, one last point on that tangent because Daniel brought it up. I blame him. Taylor Swift has uh, eclipsed Barbara Streisand as being the female artist with the most number one albums. So, like, now Taylor Swift is statistically outselling Barbara Streisand. Now, all right, then circle that around to Kanye being fucking idiot, dumbass Kanye. Like, what do you do to that? What do you say to that? Like, now he's deluded and won't say anything. He'll just be like, I was right. I was right. And he'll be dumb. But, like, can I could I would be mortified if I told someone, I was like, you're stupid. You shouldn't be winning this award. And then, like, what, five, ten years later, they're, like, one of the most selling artists of all time? Well, it's amazing how much you can sell when somebody actually lets you finish. hey Speaking of finishing, we have a spoiler warning that is definitely appropriate for both that comment and today's topic. We bring you the sultry, 
Yet dulcet tones of Adelorna Sedai. Oh, this is your official spoiler warning. This episode contains spoilers for all 14 books and the prequel. If you are still listening and you haven't read all these, you want to be spoiled, don't you? You crave it. Getting spoiled without putting in the work? Well, get ready. Here it comes. Man. And if you want to throw your hat in the ring to see how saucy your spoiler warning can be, come a patron. Send it That's to us true. via email or send us a Discord message or really however you want to send it to us. And uh, barring it being incredibly egregious, we will use it in an episode. And when Feel free to mention from, origins and everything. When someone from the Black Tower says barring it being incredibly egregious. If we say it's incredibly egregious, it's incredibly egregious. Like we push the boundaries a lot. Like, so just. Though, I don't know. I have this, uh, I have this nice badge of honor that there was an adult film star at WatCon who said multiple occasions that the wheel of time fandom made her blush. So, I think we're doing a good job. I think we are we are exactly where we need to be. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Um, at WatCon, uh, as many of you know, London River was there. Was there and uh, she sent out a tweet, which uh, was a lot of fun. And she was like, basically, she was like, damn, Wheel of Time, you horny. Mm-hmm. And talking about how she was trying to be all nice and behave and everybody else around her is like, input innuendo here input Ah, taint joke (laughs) and there's a lot of sexy conversation she was not prepared for it she had the time of her Mm -hmm. life though and uh yeah good times Mm -hmm. and of good times and times of your lives and the naughtiness and the adultiness Mm -hmm. after this comment from daniel Oh, I was just going to say, and I was really impressed because, like, I knew she was a big fan, but she knows her shit. Yeah. Like, no, she's smart she has book. read the books plenty of times to, like, really get in there. Uh, and so we had this, you know, fascinating discussion about Gawain because it always fucking happens. Uh, and she had a lot to say that was, like, really good, like, on point, very, you know, book related stuff. So, like, again, I'm not surprised because, like, she already started to show a little bit of that at the gathering madness last year, but just like every time you peeling back another layer of her knowledge, you're just like, God damn, that's awesome. She wicked smart. (laughs) Indeed. Oh, I see you from Tia. What is our topic? What is our topic for this show there, Daniel? Uh, so today we are doing another one in our long-ish line of our background breakdowns. Uh, these are episodes where we talk about a particular character that is not one of the main characters in the series, of which there are quite a number. Uh, and we talk about sort of more the secondary or tertiary characters that really help make the books work. Uh, The ones that fill out the world, the ones that do certain tasks that the heroes wouldn't be able to get away with on their own, um, or, you know, at least give them the opportunity or the atmosphere to do some of the, you know, craziest things that they do. Um, 
and really help out the story in a sort of behind the scenes way. Uh, some of them are a little bit more obvious when it comes right down to it. I mean, we've done characters like Talmanes, who at some point in the books it just it goes full badass and kills two Murdral and gets <laughs> stabbed by a Thakandar blade and Twice. is the leader of yep and is the leader of the the dragons that they use at the end of the books in the last battle. Um, and sometimes it's a little less obvious, like Aludra being the one behind the dragons she doesn't actually really use them that much later on in the books but she's the reason that they exist at the end um and so today we thought we would jump into another character along those lines and talk about everyone's favorite most well-turned calf uh the greatest showman should be played by hugh jackman uh, Valen Luca and his traveling <laughs> show and magnificent display of marvels and wonders. Whoa! Ladies so, and gents, I want to start this off with maybe, one of the, <laughs> with maybe one of the best Wikipedia-style entries that I have seen as of recent. And uh, so this one is going to be from the, gla- the, 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 the Great Blight <laughs> entry on <laughs> Valen Luca. And when you scroll down to where they start breaking down what Val and Luca does during the books, of course, in chronological order, not publishing order, which makes me sad because that means New Spring is first. Um, and it shouldn't be, uh, in my opinion, my humble opinion, my humble opinion, uh, I saying as somebody that hasn't read it. Um, the very first entry is actually actions before the story. And it, and it reads, though logic dictates that Valen Luca was born and grew up, no mentions of his actions are made. <laughs> and I just love that saying. Like, So uh, another lovely thing is, uh, I think what.fandom.com wiki does this as well. But uh, towards the top of the Great Blight articles, we also get to see the article's author. Uh, so this one is Kat Sarita. Uh, so kudos to you for that very chuckle-worthy entry. I love it. Indeed. Um, logic does dictate that he was born and grew up. That, that I don't is... know. I feel like Val and Luca may have just popped fully formed from the head of some performer in the Age of Legends and is just a, <clears throat> a fae running around pretending to be human. <laughs> Or, like, dreamed or, and made it through like a gateway or something, right? What if, what if he's another one of the creator's avatars? No, 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 hear me out. The fuck out of here. No, his <laughs> job is to spread joy and positivity to better arm the people in the ways of the light. No. I'm going with it. You guys can't. No, no motherfucker this obnoxious would be the creator in human form. Or would he? Because that's the last. Uh, you're telling me Nakomi was not obnoxious as hell to Avienda at that little fire where they shared tea. And she was like, oh, yeah, um, I'm going to answer your question by not answering your question. There's many times that I wish Fallon Luca wouldn't would answer a question by just not answering the question. <laughs> or better yet, just sh- shutting up. I mean, and we might have lost Daniel temporarily. Oh, I was about to say, 
Is that side eye or did he get frozen? Uh, I was like, he's really giving you the gaze right now. Okay, there he goes. He's back. He's he's really upset with that thing. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's a really long, hard, disappointed dad-like stare. <laughs> oh, it might be a little spotty for now. My computer apparently really doesn't like the internet that I'm on right now, so oh, we're gonna fix that. Or just really doesn't like Josh's like insinuation about Luca <laughs> being an avatar of the creator. Daniel's, I mean, Daniel's computer. I'm is not also saying not that's not also this. possible, but you know. But also, anyway. you're saying it's not possible. I get it. No, um, so you're saying so, there's a chance. The easiest way to summarize most of the entries on The Great Blight uh, is as follows. Valen Luca does not appear in this book and has no notable references. Uh, that is what <laughs> the wiki has to say about uh, okay. Eye of the World, The Dragon Reborn, The Shadow Rising, Lord of Chaos, A Crown of Swords, The Gathering Storm, uh, and essentially A Memory of Light, though there is a reference from A Memory of Light, a memory of light to a former member of his traveling show working as a city guard in Ebudar. Uh, so when it comes specifically to Valen Luca, he's not even in the last book. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of books that he's not in, uh, or, and there's no notable references made, but there are some pretty significant instances where Valen Luca is quite a member of the story. And <laughs> let's go with, let's go with that. He's, he's, wow. Dead. That's actually one of the reasons that, you know, he's in this particular breakdown series, because he's not in very many of the books. But the two times that he shows up, he's kind of important. And not, again, this is one of those things where Val and Luca, totally forgettable. He's he's absolutely not somebody who actually personally does stuff that is amazing for the story. But you know what he does do? Builds a pretty solid circus that is the hiding place for our heroes multiple times. Therefore, Val and Luca sets up the the way that our heroes survive in multiple ways. And I think that's pretty significant. <laughs> would, would you say he's a lesser, like a tertiary or lesser Bail Doman? What? I, I think I, I, that he I definitely... Compare, I wouldn't put him and Bill Doman in the same sentence. I, I was going to say, I, like I can Bell see Doman. what you're I doing there. I, I, over and I just died. Damn. Um, I understand <laughs> what you're saying, and I appreciate that Val and Luca actually takes that trope. Uh, because Bale Doman uh, does that very much in the first book. The spray is how Matt and uh, Tom and Rand get from point A to point right. B undetected. And I agree with that. Um, but since Val and Luca never really turns into anything more, I would probably say that I, I again, would also not really put them in the same sentence. Um, because I feel like Val and Luca takes the reins from Bale Doman so that Bale can go be an awesome character. And Val and Luca is just like, just has those reins then forever where he's just like, okay, I'm hot device. Like, <laughs> but, but that's, that's kind of my point. That's why I'm saying he's like a uh -huh. lesser version of that. 
-hmm. because at some point in time, he provides, actually a couple of times, he provides necessary plot advancement and protection for our heroes. Well, the, the atmosphere only, he creates. The biggest That's difference. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, well, there is that. He, they are two different people, for sure. Because Val and Luca himself never really does anything worth noting. But he sets up an atmosphere for the heroes to do things that they need to do. Okay, are, are, you, are you saying he never does anything worth noting in the same sense that, like, Bail Doman marries a Shan Chan woman and goes and fights in Tarman Gaiden and stuff like that. What do you what? mean by he does nothing of note? Valen Luca does not forward the story. Valen Luca just walks around with his circle or with his circus and goes, I just want to make some money off the people in my circus, and I'm just would looking you, for a place to set down roots to make money with my circus. Would you he say he never becomes a character who actually does anything worthy of putting him in the history books? But he does set sure. up an atmosphere where our heroes can do some of the the things that they need to do to change the world. Which is why I think he's worthy of getting a background breakdown, even though he himself is not really anything special. I don't know. I would say he winds up serving like the same purpose as like I don't know, Thailand's palace without the climatic confrontation at the end that actually made it worthwhile reading. Well that that's the inspiration for the background breakdown, is there are people yeah. in the wheel of time whose sole purpose is to transport the heroes from point A to point B, whether that be through, you know, a traveling to one place or another, whether that be reaching some sort of emotional um, situation, whether that be reaching some sort of mm-hmm. intellectual situation. Like there's mm-hmm. a lot of, these background characters and which again is like a theme in the books that nobody does it on their own nobody does it alone mm-hmm. you, you need it was support. about them all yeah you need support it's about their balls it's about their balls it I'm was sorry. about I the ball have, i must have misheard judging by daniel's expression i misheard my bad that's sometimes i think you hear what you want to hear i mean well for some characters they definitely act like it was about their balls so I mean, Val and Luca is one of them. Val and Luca is one of them. Okay, so Val and Luca, where, where's the first time he shows up? First time he shows up, the fires oh, of technically the great hunt. chapter thirteen. I don't remember him being in the great hunt. Well, he was at. So okay, he's not mentioned first in the great hunt. Okay, but if you want to go with in story chronology, the first time he he is in the same place we see anybody is in the great hunt but yes he is not mentioned we find out later that he was there uh, okay uh, so it's it's one of those right. like almond bunt type references yeah like oh yeah, yeah. he was at um what is it tamaz the square of tamaz when they swore, mm-hmm. swore their oaths damn um, it tamaz promptly you know in a super surprising way he was like nah i'm good well, I know, I know that he gave he gave 
Egwene and Nynaeve. I'm sorry, not Egwene and Nynaeve. Elaine and Nynaeve arrived because mm-hmm. it was right after. It was right after all that. It was in the. Was it in the Dragon Reborn? And no, no. Fires of Heaven is the first time, like Daniel said, that we actually do see him by name and direct. Like he's okay. actually there on the pages, not. Oh, as we find out later on that he was in the this area, and that's so. Mm-hmm. Nynaeve and Elaine are. And Tom and Julian. Tom and Julian, they're hunting the Black Aja. Right, I'm not there <laughs> in my reread yet, so my my memory is a little cloudy. So everybody in the chat, feel free to correct me where I go on this. But I think it's funny because they're like, we'll ride with you, and that's fine. And as they like ride with them, and Nynaeve refuses to do anything, and then at the end, where they transport them through Amadicia, I want to say it is, and then like Nynaeve goes to, Nynaeve is all like, thanks, and Elaine's like, you need to pay him. And she's like, no, I don't. Yes, you do, you need to pay him. <laughs> so Nynaeve like gives him a really stupid small amount of money, and he gets super pissed, and he's like screaming and swearing. And that's one of the reasons why he's so smug with them later on when they meet up with him again. Yeah, but Elaine immediately turns around and is like, I'll give you a hundred ground, a hundred gold marks. Yeah. Which just does more to showcase her understandable naivety into the way money works amongst (laughs) the common populace. Because one, one, or one crown is like 10 marks. So, I mean, it's basically like 10 crowns. So, but it's still like a ton of money. Like only somebody like nobles and royalty is going to go a hundred gold marks to you. Random circus man. I feel yeah, bad for your true. plight of you weren't responsible with your aminals and caused damage. And there were repercussions but I can use you. So here's a stupid amount of money. I mean, it makes me think of a, like a, a Rand and Matt offering like all the money they had to bail Doman on the spray and Tom being like, you fools. Yep. Um, I could have gotten us passage with a smile and a few songs. But, but yeah, so she does. She offers them like a hundred gold marks to let them ride with, to let their party ride with them to Geldon. And it's like, you see a little bit of that, uh, well, I say a little bit. You see Val and Luca's like financial predatory nature come out immediately because he's like, he recognizes Tom as a gleeman and is like, I will only accept your hundred gold marks if Tom joins my performance while you're with us. And it's like, what? Like, why? Why? Like, it's it's just, uh, uh, I think just Nynaeve is too exasperated to, to like, resist. Julian has learned more than to open his mouth around Nynaeve when she's angry. So he's just like, not doing it. Nope, not me. Tom's just like, I I really don't care. And Elaine's like, I have no concept of actual people money. So, yeah, that sounds fine. Well, and that's, that's the other thing, too, is it's like... Elaine has no concept of money, just like you were saying. God, I sound so bitter right now. Because she's, well, she's rich, right? 
So yeah. she's like, I can get a hundred marks. What? Like, I know that's a lot of money. It'll make, it'll set their head spinning and they won't be able to refuse. And this is classic art of the negotiation. I'm going to make you an offer so good. You'd be stupid to say no. And well, he didn't say no, but what he did was, by the way, I don't believe that you have that much money because I'm looking at you right now and I don't believe you have that much money, but. Oh, sorry. And Birgitta. Birgitta is with him as well. Yes, correct. But this is when they put together or their she, traveling. She act. becomes with them while they're in the circus, rather. That is correct. This is when they put together their act. Yeah, because mm. Elaine and Julian do the tightrope, uh, and Elaine uses talents others can't see, which in the modern day is generally considered cheating. Uh, yep. But there is a little bit of like, yeah, it does kind of uh, infer skill, and it is, it is truly like a bit of a uh, of amazing because it's kind of one of the things with the one power that you're not really people have issues frequently supporting their own weight with the power, much less moving themselves. Which Elaine does not move herself with the one power, but she does support her own weight, like literally with the one power with flows of air so that she doesn't have to worry about falling off. And I'm just trying to wonder like how you manage to do that so that the tightrope moves and sways. Well, so I always got the impression that she was definitely helping herself. Uh, But even by the end, she tells Nynaeve that she's not using the air flows anymore and that she's just using the tightrope. And Nynaeve's like, you dumb bitch. And she's like, I'm having fun. Leave me alone. And they're mad at each other and they're all catty and everything by the end of that because they're at each other's throats. Yeah. Because Elaine keeps trying to throw out money like she's got plenty of it and Nynaeve is like, no. It's funny. We don't have... In it's, terms of money, well, we have little money. Stop well, spending all the money. That, that's not even really true. Because, like, again, neither of them is right. This is this is another one of those parts yeah. where I really appreciate the story of they have an entire pouch of, like, Tarvalon marks. Yeah, they have, like, a small chest, don't they? It's, like, yeah. a lot of money. Yeah. Yes. But, again, you start going from I have a lot of money to I have very little money very quickly if you act like Elaine. Now, if you also never spend a goddamn dime like Nynaeve wants to, then you got plenty of fucking money. So, like, if they just agreed between them to, like, have a happy medium, it's almost like they would, you know, uh, be able to be good with money and use it the way it should be used effectively. But instead, one of them is too hard and the other one's too lax. So, like... You know, the doctor said the same thing about my testicles. Hey, oh, yeah. Um, I love, I love the stark. Contrast <laughs> Don't you hate it when you have a lazy testicle <laughs> between Nynaeve <laughs> and Elaine in terms of money? Because Elaine mm-hmm. is like, even in uh, the Great Hunt when they're in Falma trying to figure out a way to rescue Egwene, they're like, hey. What are we going to do? And, and Elaine's like, I know, we barely have enough money to last the week. And Nynaeve looks at her and is like, girl, we've got enough money to last like two months. Like, chill your shit. 
Mm-hmm. And so I think that's funny where you see this theme replay again and again and again. And especially with Elaine, she has this real air of I'm I'm doing it. I'm 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 with the common people. <laughs> I'm amongst the peasantry. I'm amongst the peasant. Isn't this exciting, Jeeves? <laughs> yeah. Like Princess Jasmine when she runs out into like the streets of Agrabah. Right? Yep. It it it's got some serious Princess Jasmine vibes. But um I mean, so Nynaeve has, like, this is definitely one of the, the times where Nynaeve catches a lot of flack for seeming to be that, like, bitter, angry, tropey kind of person. And she is bitter and angry, but it's, like, one of those times where it, sh- it seems to me, honestly, uh, this might be one of the times that I relate to uh, Nynaeve the most because I want to stab Val and Luca all the fucking time. Um, <laughs> Because she's trying to deal. Fucking calf. Yeah, yeah. I want to pin his well-turned calf to his forehead. Um, Jesus. <laughs> he's flexible. He'll be fine. Maybe. I didn't realize we run a show with Pot on Fane. Hey. <laughs> you show me a barn door without a merge all, and I will fix your problem with a Val and Luca. Uh, <laughs> no, but. So she's she's dealing with Elaine already, who she feels isn't being cautious enough, isn't being careful enough, is being a little too visible when they are literally trying to hide out and not be the center of attention. Um, and then she's dealing with uh, also worried about keeping the secret of Brigida once Brigida shows up. Um, she's still focusing on like trying to be the treasurer of their little traveling troop, and simultaneously going we need to spend a little bit of money here and there because she does like on rare occasion i I remember this one like she's she splurges a bit on dresses for them once they're kind of stuck performing um Mm -hmm. and she's like well it would make us blend in as we're already performers um she's like pissed at val and luca and tom because she's now like the the like target for tom's throwing knife act or rather the target to be avoided um and i don't blame her for not liking people throwing sharp things at and around her face uh because that sounds like at least number seven in my top 10 not fun things to do um so she's dealing with all of that and then uh when val and luca could not get any more insufferable surprise he does and decides that he's got a crush on nana um, which very imaginative code name for yourself, Nynaeve, by the way. Not Nynaeve, right. just Nana. Hi, I'm Nana. Um, Nana, 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 yeah. Nana. It reminds me very much of the, the movie Shang-Chi, where, like, partway um, through the movie, <laughs> Shang, like, looks at his best friend and he's like, hey, my real name's not Sean. It's actually Shang. And she's <laughs> like, you changed your name from Shang to Sean? <laughs> You're a, a high <laughs> mastermind, buddy. It was a fantastic moment. That was a good one. Oh, like, thanks. Thanks yeah. for that. But so, like, you find this, like, really weird, creepy-style, Benny Hill-style, like, Scooby-Doo scene-esque thing with Nynaeve finding any reason to not be around Val and Luca. 
and Val and Luca finding any reason and sometimes not even having a reason to be around Nynaeve and just like put his calves up somewhere like he's Captain Morgan and be like, oh, hello, Nana. You're looking mighty fetching tonight. Um, yep. And it just keeps going on and on and on. Um, and it doesn't even stop until they get to, what is it, um, Samara. And that's where uh, the prophet of the dragon and his forces go into riots, right? And then, so one member Whoa. of Alan Lucas' circus, yeah, or riots against, is it? Is that when they're fighting against so the children the of the children light? So it's the children of the light and against the, the, prophet's uh, the prophet's men are, are skirmishing, if you will. Yeah. Um, and then... Uh, so like a member of their circus, like one is, one gets caught and like flogged and the other one's like been beheaded and Valen's like, we got to get out of here. Come with me, Nynaeve. I love you. Be my wife. I'll keep you safe. And she's like, fuck off. And then he, he, he's like, nicer, but she, yeah, to be fair, she is nicer than that, but essentially it's like a, no, I'm not marrying you. We're going to go our separate ways right now. And he's like, I'll make sure you're safe. And she's just like. Uh, I can do that yeah. way better than you can. Have fun with that. <laughs> if you could, like, not try to make sure I'm safe, and if you could, like, go anywhere else, I'd appreciate that. <laughs> well, I also love the the other thing that I love is, you know, she actually does consider it for a second. Because, like, while she's traveling with the circus, she's so fucking mad at Lan. Oh, There are, like, a number of times where she's like, this fool man and his dumb pursuits and is always trying but to get himself killed shit he does have i'm a super calf. yeah well and nynaeve is just like i'm really annoyed with the whole land thing this val and luca guy is annoying but at least he's here and like blah 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 and she like thinks about it for a second and then she goes nah you mean the mind. basis of accepting a proposal shouldn't just be if the person is there or not <laughs> Yeah, no, what exactly. A wild and novel idea, right? She does come around to that particular idea. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I personally am glad. Um, yes, and then he does this whole like, here's some flowers from my sleeve because because the I'm art of the performance. Of yeah, I will always remember and love you. And then they they part ways. Um, I believe he does kind of help make sure that. Do they get on a ship to leave? Or is that just my uh, default that every time somebody escapes from somewhere, they get on a ship and sell away? Ship, and it has to yeah. be fucking Bale Doman's ship. I mean, bro, that fucking happens a lot, all no, right? Galad, a lot of times everybody's trying yeah, to get away from somewhere. They just get what on a is ship it? and fucking it's like, it's like Galad and I want to say Uno both find the oh, is, same ship. Yes. Boat is yes. correct. And oh, then, is it Galad that helps correct. as well? This is where Nynaeve meets up with Galad, says, you got to promise to get us out of here. And Galad goes, yeah, I promise. And gets them on the ship just as everything's falling apart and the Children of the Light and the Prophet's men are destroying the town that's next to where the circus is. And Val and Luca's like, ah, time to fucking go. And they're like, yeah, we're not coming with you. And he's like, but I love you. And she's <laughs> like, yeah, but I don't at all. Uh, I'm going to go with this really ridiculously handsome guy in the white clothes. Uh, and then he basically runs them to a ship. 
and gets them on. Yeah. So even then, the story of that... And you know who else is on this ship? Is the story of Nynaeve and everybody else. Right. Fun story. You know who else is on the ship? Who else is on the ship? Is it BD? This is where she meets up with... Magden. Oh, yeah. oh, that's, that's true. That's or true. Or Mogedian. That is true. Muggy so, fun story. Fun story. I fun story. Always imagined Val and Luca as looking like the ringmaster from Dumbo, which I've just okay. posted in the live chat. If you want to be in the live chat, uh-huh. you got to be a patron. Go to blacktowerpod.com. But I've always pictured him looking like that, right? But ever mm-hmm. since The Greatest Showman came out, I can't not see Hugh Jackman as Val and Luca. Well, and it's, I mean, like, this guy from Dumbo does not really have a very well-turned calf. Like, I think Val and Luca is a very attractive dude, like Hugh Jackman. Well, it does say that in the wiki. It does say, let's see, hold on, let me pull this up here. He is a tall, dark-haired man, good-looking, with a well-turned leg, and he always wears a cloak, gaudy enough to shame a tinker. You know who else meets that description? Burt Reynolds. See, that that I could see. fucking Reynolds. That I could see. That I could live with. Right? Bert, hold up. Burt Reynolds. I'm going to put a Burt Reynolds well, gift in there. I think, I think Burt Reynolds, though, he might be, he might be on a the, the north side of the... the oh, yeah. We're talking there. 80s Burt yeah, Reynolds. Yeah, by ways. Yes. Yeah. Uh, in the like, 90s... If he does pull up in his, in his freaking Trans Am... Um, yeah, Trans Am, right? In the 90s, he went Fire gray Reynolds. and became BL Striker. There he is right there. There's Val and Luca. From Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah. See, that scene always made me sad though, because like sipping on Budweiser, and that's just a mistake all around. Bro, that's like that was the standby in the eighties. That's what people did. You weren't alive, so you don't know. Well, I was gonna say, to be I fair, I feel like I feel like Budweiser in the eighties is not actually even comparable to Budweiser now. Because I don't ever think it was, like, really the king of beers, but, like, Jesus Christ, beer in the 80s and the early okay. 90s was definitely better than beer it, now. Beer Sorry, before than commercial beer. I will say this. It was not. What we have is a Coca-Cola is a failure to communicate. and a Coca-Cola classic situation, okay? You had Coca-Cola originally. Then they changed the okay. recipe and nobody uh-huh. liked it. So they went back to the original recipe and called it Coca-Cola Classic. And all of a sudden everybody was like, yay. Well, when it comes to like Budweiser and beer and things like that, in the 80s, you had maybe three choices when it came to beer. You had Budweiser, you had Coors and Miller. Like that was it. Like, congratulations. So yeah, Budweiser was like the king of beers, but guess what? The playing field was like the same company now. Yeah, they weren't originally. Yeah. And then then what happens is 
we get into that shit the, taste is no taste that we get into the 2000s we get into the late you know the 2010s and stuff like that and we start having an explosion of microbrews and independent brews and breweries and they're like you know what would be great not piss water for beer and all of a sudden budweiser and all these other companies they have to start competing well they don't start competing by improving the recipe they start competing by marketing harder. So just FYI, there were so many more choices in the 80s than just and the how ones many of them are still around? Uh, all eight? Oh, 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 all eight of them? <laughs> that's more than <laughs> twice the number you just gave. I feel like that's actually pretty significant. It's... Versus what we have now, Daniel. Don't look at the, the specific point to point. Look at the message. The message is in the 80s, selection was shit. Now, selection is amazing. You go to the store. But and look you're at like, the facts. Look at the intent of the message. Yeah. Not the... <laughs> you get what I meant? Uh, Don't listen to what I'm saying. Feel what I'm telling you. While yes! technically false, it is still emotionally true. <laughs> God. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I didn't get the exact number of 80s breweries correct. My point is, I will rephrase. <laughs> let me, let me, you know what? You are correct. Thank you for correcting me. I will walk that statement back and let me correct my statement. In the 80s, the selection was vastly smaller than it is today. So to say that Budweiser is the king of beers really just means they sold more beer than anybody else, which is not impressive at all because they were competing against tremendously smaller number of competitors. I agree with that. But I also think that if you got a can of Budweiser (laughs) from the 80s, it would also be distinctly better than a Budweiser from now. I have done that experiment, and it's true. Okay. I, I have never felt any more immediately remorseful from trying to shotgun a beer uh, but when playing a game of Beerio Kart. Uh, which if you haven't ever played Beerio Kart, it is fantastically fun. It is a drinking game involving playing Mario Kart where the rules expressly forbid you from drinking and driving and you must finish your beverage before you finish your first lap um, and then pick up another one. Um, it is fantastic. However, should you invite somebody and they show up with a case of Budweiser for this endeavor of shenaniganry, immediately they don't get to come ask anymore. them politely yet firmly to leave. <laughs> because I have never felt more immediately ill to the stomach than when I chugged an entire can of Budweiser and then tried to finish a one lap race of Mario Kart. And I will never yeah. forgive that individual. We used to play, we used to play uh, hardcore Super Smash, mm-hmm. where it was basically the rules of Mario Kart, where like you would sit down and you would play uh, a stock match of Super Smash Brothers with three lives, and every time uh, you won a match, you would drink. Mm-hmm. 
you know, so they got statistically less likely that you would win the next one. And especially when you're like rotating people in and out because they're they're coming in for the losers. Um, that's very, very fun. Also, if somebody shows up with Budweiser for that, tell them that they can go home. Okay, okay, okay. Hear me out. Okay. I would rather slam a cheap beer than a craft beer. Fair. I see where you're going with that. And it's I fair. Disagree. However, there is this nice, fantastic middle ground where you reach the levels of beer with flavor for very reasonable <laughs> prices. And I'm looking at Ying yes. expressly for this. Because Ugh. I will pay right. the extra like eight bucks for a six pack or whatever to get a good beer like Yingling to chug rather than Did you, know, you just paying... say a good beer like Yingling? Uh yes, yep. because it is a yeah, fantastic beer. And anybody who doesn't agree is uh I hate a to tell you this, just I'm wrong. not disagreeing. It just is kinda funny. I said good, not great. That is true. The, the, that was the word you chose to use. Yeah. So, getting back on track. First off, I would I would say that Valen I'm enjoying this discussion guy, on beer far more than a discussion on Valen Lucas. Hold on, lie. I'm segueing in. Valen Lucas is the kind of guy to bring Bud Light to the party. And he'd be like, here's a 34-pack of Bud Light. And then you'd be like, ah, oh, dude, you're the man. Thanks so much for providing us with some party beers and then he like pull out his own personal cooler with some like really good craft beer and they'd be like why aren't you drinking some of this he's like oh i don't drink that Mm-mm. no I, I drink this like let's look at this look at this fine ipa because he also drinks ipas <laughs> that's why i don't like him very much <laughs> that's why i don't like andrew very much Whoa, whoa. Two out of three of us can be wrong. Oh, shit. Did I say that out loud? Val and Luca is the ringmaster. This is why I think of him as the ringmaster from Dumbo. But he's the ringmaster of the Val and Luca's great traveling show. I think it's interesting that he has a Grolm. Right? No, he doesn't have a Grolm. He has a. He has a Shreddit. Which is an elephant. But, well, a bull horse. A, a bull horse. And um, he actually has three threaded. Yeah, and the lady, the lady who trains them is from Shanchan, right? It's indeed. So, so here's my question. Valen or no, Luka, not Shanchan. Is she a Sean Chan? I thought she was Sean Chan. All right, keep going with this. Because is from Sean Chan. Uh, go for it. <laughs> Get your fingers on the keyboard for the Google. Um, Working on it. No, so, and, and when I'm wrong, you tell me I'm wrong. But, no, she was a shredded trainer from Sean Chan. She was not in the military. She was, like, of the common people... Etc. Etc. What I want to know, what did Valen Lucas say? Because to like convince her to travel with them. Because I think yes. so. They 
she is one of the ones that was left behind when the when the forerunners are chased into the sea by the heroes of the horn, right? At Falmus, yes. yes. And on the note of the shredded, they are from Shan Chan. Val and Luca claimed that they were from Sara, which was wrong. That's right. And the trainer, uh, Karendin, or Sarandin, C E R A N D I N, is also yep. Shan Chan. Yes. Um, that's right. Who also once served, oh wow, as a handler in the Court of the Nine Moons. Yeah, no, she was, she was of the common people, but she was still like blessed of the common people. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because that was sort of the whole thing. Like, um, like Narcissus just said in the live chat, she, uh, she loved uh, the the shredded, and basically, like after her kind of running away or whatever, or trying to get out of there. Um, oh yeah, because she was in Falma, and after they were displaced from Falma, he basically gave her a way to keep the shredded, um, and. Uh, be able to be with them while not also being like targeted by the Sean Chan or something like that. So, and uh, and apparently on the mainland, uh, Val and Luca decided to also name them boar horses. Boar horses, not bull horses. Yeah. That's right. Though bull isn't entirely wrong because there were three. The first one is mare, M E R, which was a bull, uh, sonnet, which is a, a cow or female, and then Niren, which was a newborn calf. Correct. So there was a bull horse, a cow horse, and a newborn calf horse. <laughs> None of which were actually horses. <laughs> a, a bull boar horse, a cow boar horse, and a baby boar horse. What about yeah. a boar boar horse and a boar nope. boar? A bora bora horse? Bora bora. Bora bora. Yeah. All right, so now let's go into sort of the second time that Val and Luca shows up, because again, his circus comes all the way back around um, and saves other people from Sean Chan as well. Although uh, he doesn't because... get as much patronage out of them. As in these ones don't put on a performances for him. That is correct, but they give him a shitload more money. So and they didn't just say they kind it. Of they were like... The fact. See this chest full of money? Yeah. It's yours. After yeah. we make it safely. Yes. Um, so this time he actually takes on Matrim and uh, the kidnapped Tuan and Seleucia and uh, Egeonin and Bale Doman. Uh, and I think that's it. That's the only group that's with it. Oh, and yeah, Julian and no, he was talking to a loser whenever they found. Out. Okay, yeah, never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he as in Matt was talking to a loser. Yes, Sorry. he meets. Yeah, and Julian and Amathera, not Amalisa, Amathera, who was yeah, Amalisa held... was Daniel's MVP from the season one Watt mm-hmm. Fantasy League. Which, by the way, straight. season two fantasy league coming right. up. Who will claim Daniel's crown? Also, I love that we're having well, teams, and that everybody in BTP is going to be on the same team. So, um, we all wear the crown right now. Your victory was taken from you. Does, ah! uh, it does wasn't Tom taken go with them as well? Did you say Tom? Did Tom uh, go with Tom them? As well? does no, not. Tom, Tom is, is not, not with them. them Tom, Tom just helped them negotiate the passage. 
is Tom with them? Unless this is a typo. Because Tom everyone. and Julian are usually, yeah. Well, this is okay, Tom, Tom and, is. and Beslan that are talking with Luca to like get a group to, to basically get them to carry a group. This is in Winter's Heart. Yes, and Tom is actually with them. Beslan goes back to the city. Oh, but yeah, yeah. Tom is with them. Well, Tom is with them. Yeah. All, is Oliver with them too? Yes. He would Oliver be by this point, would right? would be with them. Yes. Yes, he is. Because he's learning how to like throw oh. knives and he's learning and he's he's flirting with all of the rockets. Yep. To Yeah, they have a whole they have, they have a, whole they have a trio of Aes Sedai because there's a there's this point in which they're fighting an advancing Shan Chan army and the Aes Sedai are like I'm sorry, I just don't feel like I'm threatened right now. I just can't do it. Sorry. And Matt is like, we're in the middle of a battle. And then Oh all of a yeah, because he carries um their the their Aes Sedai that were made so, uh, like Soldam or Yeah. No. Damane. And they're yes. they're mad there was because a they can't Ras with him as well. They can't yeah. do anything to him because he's got his fox head medallion at this time. Yeah. But they did also take a soldom with them because it's a soldom that later tries to like get away. A lip and and is yes. caught. I can't remember her name. But this is where like Luca and his uh, new boo thing meet with Tuan and Tuan like reveals who she actually is. Mm-hmm. To to the <clears throat> best of her knowledge, who she is, not who we as the readers know she is, or did she find out who she actually is by this point? Does she know she's the Empress by Cross? And, and does she find she out does not know she is the Empress before? at this time. She thinks she is the the child of the Empress or whatever. Not the okay. childlike Empress from Neverending Story, played by Tammy Stronach. She is just the child of the Empress sent to the Westlands for two reasons. One, because, hey, it's just convenient to have someone who's good over there who can you know, who's capable and effective and can lead this thing correctly. And also it removes the most capable assassin. It was a calculated move by the crystal throne back in Sean Chan. Uh, so yeah. Rena, Rena and Maine is the name of the Suldam that they had with them. Oh yeah, that's the uh, that's the Suldam that Nynaeve and Egwene collared. That so Rena is the Suldam who collared Egwene originally, and was Egwene's main quote unquote trainer. It's disgusting to say that word, but I mean it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when they were le- when they were escaping, they were going to put the collar on. Either Nynaeve or Elaine was going to wear the collar to get into the house. And then uh, when they found out that the collar worked against Rena, they just used her as a Demane and then left her in the Demane's quarters, chained to the wall, you know, still in the IDOM so that she can't leave or tell anybody. Um, No, I was wrong about Aludra. I forgot that she is a... Sorry, I interrupted you. Yeah, she's a part of the circus. Yeah, I, for, I completely forgot she was a part of the oh, circus. Oh, that's right. Because yeah, she's, when she's still a part of the on the run as when, an illuminator. Yeah, yeah, because she's a part of the circus when Nynaeve and Elaine and everybody else flee Tanchico. 
And whenever mm-hmm. Matt and Tuan and them wind up joining up, she winds up talking about Nynaeve and Elaine and them. And like eventually Matt and Aluja are like talk about the fact that Matt knows them. It's like, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Pain in my ass. Pain in my ass. I'll tell you what. Mm-hmm. Well, you know. I think actually I'm kind of seeing your point, Daniel, what you were trying to make earlier is that Val and Luca didn't make his mark on the story. Um, because we spent all this time kind of talking about him and it's been like, we're talking about the things that are happening around him. He's a vessel. He provided a means of transportation for people and mm-hmm. was a bit of a comic relief. Generally annoyed people. well and let's be honest okay the one thing that valen luca does is nothing and that's really important because his whole role is discretion his whole circus needs to work on being flashy and being important but again it's a little bit of that like Marion pippin the closer we are to danger the farther we are from harm kind of thing of if you dress up these people, you know, these Aes Sedai as parts of your circus, no one's going to think twice that these people are Aes Sedai because no self-respecting Aes Sedai or even accepted would go ahead and join a circus and run around as performers. So they're in like one of the best hiding places they could be in. And as long as Val and Luca, who's the only person who knows their secret, doesn't say shit, then... They're safe. Same thing with Matt and Tuon. They actually tell Val and Luca who they are right from the get-go. And they've got a different story that they tell everybody else in the circus, but they have to let Val and Luca know what's up. And Valen never spills the beans. He is a very discreet motherfucker. Well, she and also... that is the one nice thing about Val and Luca is that he knows how to keep his mouth shut, which is ironic since he spends so much time with his mouth open. Yeah. Well, she eventually gives him um, like a warrant or a writ, basically from her by her name, to like use for the circus. That basically is like, in a last ditch effort, he can present to any Sean Chan that confront them, and they will let him pass. Like they'll be like, Mm -hmm. "Oh, yeah, nope. Um, we're not of the blood, uh, or any blood or high blood, and don't want to lose all of our blood. We'll let you fucking go." (laughs) Um, and I think it might have even like promised payment from the from the crystal throne or something like that. Yeah. Um, but well, because yeah, there's no, a tax that's happening. Yeah. That's like what's happening is they come in and they tax you based on like how many livestock animals you have and like this, that, and the other thing. And so the writ basically says, "Do not tax them now. Let them pass. The crystal throne will pay you for." Uh, whatever tax it is, or like they're exempt from the Crystal Thrones taxes, or whatever. Which which so they, appealed they to Val and Luca shredder. tremendously. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Because um, again, he's a greedy fuck. That's really what Val and Luca is. At the end of the day, oh god, my. All I heard was "Oh god, my," and then "Oh my, oh god, my." Oh God, oh God, we're all going to die? Look, 
I'm going to I'm going to wrap this up. I'm gonna, I'm going to start the wrap up. And I'm going to say that Val and Luca, like I love him as a character. He's fun. He provides some pretty great uh humor. But the thing is is that he's also not tremendously important to the story. And and this conversation has kind of changed my mind because I've always he's it, it, which I think is actually a great sort of allegory for him as a character in a whole, because on the whole, because he had me convinced he was more important than he was. I, as the yep. reader was convinced that more important than he actually was. And which is his entire shtick. Val yep. Luke is a smart motherfucker though. I will stand by this. I will say this. I will die on this hill. And if, for those of you who tuned in uh, to WatCon and saw the best Beltine ever panel where I had yeah. to defend Val and Luca as a better Jeopardy person than Harry Dresden. I will die on this hill. Val and Luca would school Harry Dresden any day of the week. That's my final thoughts. I stand by. I stand I stand with Val and Luca. <laughs> Andrew? Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I definitely agree. Like Val and Lucas serves as a convenient plot device owner slash boss. Um, Cause the menagerie or the traveling circus is a very convenient um, and admittedly like tropey sort of fantasy way to hide. Um, and it's more tropey because there's all these stories of like runaway kids, especially in like, I don't know, like the old South and like the fifties and sixties or whatever, running away to join and become the quote unquote circus freaks. Um, mm -hmm. And they would travel town to town and kind of got a reputation like the tinkers do um, in the books of, you know, we don't, you know, we don't want them here. Um, we don't actually fucking steal your kids. They just come to us. Leave us alone. <laughs> yeah. They're overbearing parents, so they run away screaming. It's not our fault. Because you, when um, people join us for the way of the leaf, that's not on us. That's on yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I would like to say that Val and Luca and his troop just happen to find themselves in good places twice. Um, I think it's more apt to say that Robert Jordan writes them to just happen to be in good places twice, uh, because we need a good mechanism to move them from place to place without having to do a bunch of the living in the woods, cloak and daggery style hiding and sleuthing around. Um, because there's other stuff that, uh, that Robert Jordan wanted the characters to experience and do and develop during that time while still also having a relatively believable mechanism to travel without being noticed. Um, I, I don't know how much I believe certain parts of it. Um, depending on where they're traveling. I don't know how many people wouldn't earnestly recognize the surely sought after daughter heir by this point, or wouldn't recognize um, the, the missing, you know, daughter or now empress of the Sean Chan empire. Uh, but it's, it's right on that, that, that kind of fence line of, eh, maybe, maybe not uh, for me. Um, I will say kudos though, at, for at one point for Val and Luca, because, he is, he does turn out to be an incredible orator, uh, which goes with his profession. Because there's a point in Knife of Dreams 
where the entire menagerie is approaching a village. And as they're watching, the village takes a peddler with it as it sinks into the ground. And the entire group is like, no, let's not go over there or by there or anywhere in that direction. And Val and Luca convinces the rest of them to still press on. It's like, ah, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Um, and then turns around and Matt calls it, finally causes enough of a pain in Val and Luca's well-turned ass cheeks that Val and Luca actually spends money to hasten getting rid of Matt and his, and his company. And he buys them pack horses, uh, much to Matt's delight. Um, so I, he has his moments of, it's not really comedic relief for me, but it's like chuckly relief, if that. Um, but more often than not, to me, Val and Luca is uh, unnecessary and annoying. Uh, I think that these groups moving could have been done um, either with a character that wasn't so uh, egregiously annoying um, or... Uh, without having to do it with a menagerie or anything, but uh, maybe that's part of the point uh, because, you know, uh, there are plenty of characters that do far more that is far more important, and I don't remember their names on a day-to-day -day basis, but I remember Val and Luca's name every single fucking day, so, you know, fair point, you know, points Val to Robert Jordan. But yeah, that's, that's it for me. Andrew, or Daniel, round us out, buddy. Yeah, I mean, you guys said a lot of it. Uh, the one thing that I do appreciate uh, is the consistency that Val and Luca does actually feel like a real person. Almost every performer, like this type of deal where it's this large, this large of a circus needs to be held together by a big personality. Like if you just have some kind of wet blanket walking around being like, I think we should start a circus, guys. Like, it doesn't happen. It takes someone actually walking in and being like, all right, here's how we're going to do this. This is how we're going to make money. I'm going to be the star of the show, and y'all are going to back me up. Like, it takes that kind of personality to deal with this many personalities uh, and put them all in line. Um, but... I, I really appreciate that he basically walks around the sort of like southwest edge of the map. And that's where we find him like every time. Nynaeve and Elaine run into him there uh, and travel with him. And then he just like stays in Sean Chan once the Sean Chan come and like take over. Because he's like, you know, I don't really love these taxes thing. But like everybody here can afford to go to the circus. So like I'm just going to stay around here because... The Sean Chan are actually really good to the people who are commoners. So there you go here to avoid taxes. The right. Um, and so I do like that. He's like right there for Matt to, to jump in on. Uh, I almost wish that we had a tinkers circus conglomeration at some point. Cause again, they both have that like same they're, they both are that same trope. Elias, Perrin, and Egwene going with the traveling people is the same as Elaine and Nynaeve going with the circus or Matt and Tuan going with the circus. And so, like, I feel like they would work together really well. 
but we never actually get that because of course i think that both groups would abhor the other but yeah. you know true <laughs> whatever true true but anyway i i think that valen luca is a very important character because he does set up this particular environment um i think valen luca himself is not really a very important character but without him without the character of valen luca you don't get the circus and without the circus you don't get the environment in which elaine and nynaeve learn to like each other and you know Birgitta is is bonded and and uh tom and julian make this like super strong buddy cop like relationship that spans the entire rest of the books uh you know you don't give matt and two on the uh opportunity to court each other uh and all of this different stuff so i i think that the circus is very necessary and therefore valen luca being the personality that he is is necessary even though he himself doesn't do shit <laughs> fair enough everybody well, for everyone else let us know what you think in the comments below or hop over to the discord or wherever you would like to let us know twitter email whatever you want to do let us know you can find do all it. that information again at blacktowerpod.com as well as the I information for the gathering madness you. for you this year it. 2023 you won't leave a comment um, oh look i'm scared to leave a comment that's you i saw you jesus fucking christ but Sorry, for all of us here at the Black Tower Podcast, this has been this week's dose of your tainty madness goodness. And I hope you slurped it up deliciously and greedily and hungrily. And just imagine that as we say goodbye temporarily. For I have been your Bajan Mahil Andrew. Currently dying from laughter is a man known as your Soravan Mahil Josh. And I have been your Amon Khan Mahal, Daniel. And from all of us here at the Black Tower Podcast, thank you again. Have a lovely morning. And in case we don't see you again, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. I got him to laugh like Muttley. Great success. Slurping up greedily. Yeah.